from the Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. morning everybody I'm Nikki if we haven't met I'm one of the founding pastors here Um, I was just chatting with my little table of people over the five-minute break about speaking in general and that um, I've learned a lot of things through failures of speaking like one of the things that I've got on my notes is I make sure that I have page numbers because one time I was up and I had all my notes and I'm preaching and my notes literally just fell into a pile on the floor and I'm like I don't have any page numbers. Now, this probably all happened in like milliseconds, but when you're up front and people, it feels like a million years are going by and everybody's just like watching and waiting. So I've learned to put, um, I've got my page numbers this morning. So if my notes fall, we're good to go. Um, The holidays are coming and I am, I'm going to confess to you, I am not a big holiday person. Like my favorite, yeah. I'm married to a holiday person and I have a house of holiday people. Like right now there's some tension. I don't know if this is happening in your homes about when to actually set up for Christmas. I bet we could probably divide the room by people who are like, we, you're strict. Like we wait till Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving needs its time. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. And then we have people who are like, forget Thanksgiving. The tree goes up, all the lights, everything, right? Okay. So we got that battle going on in our house right now. Like what's happening for the holidays? I... How about I like to keep peace? If you've heard me preach before, I'm like a big peacemaker, so this is causing me a lot of anxiety in my house. Of like, nobody can decide what to do and when over the holidays. Um, but since my daughter, she's the youngest, she kind of drives the thing. I'm pretty sure we're, honey, we're setting up the Christmas decorations. Yeah, sooner than later. Yeah. But you love the holidays. Oh, my goodness. Get on board, Chris. Get on board. Okay, so one of the things that can happen over holidays is taking a road trip. Um, I was reminiscing about this. Uh, we used to take our kids and drive them out to Colorado and do uh, Thanksgiving with some friends. And when they were younger, like, we'd, we'd save the movie for, like, the end of the trip. Now our kids all have phones, so we're like, go with God, kids, so that Chris and I can have a conversation. Um, but back then, we're like, we're going to give them games. I, like gave them all these toys, but once all that stuff was done, right, books, games, snacks are all on the floor, we would put on a movie. And we didn't have, like, a fancy van with, like, the screen that came down, so we would have to rig up, like, our iPad or something like that, which meant that Chris and I would have to listen to the movie. So then there's the debate, what movie are we all going to agree on in this van? So we'd go through the long list, and at that time, there were two movies that the three kids could agree on and that Chris and I could stand listening to, because we did have to listen to them two or three times. It was the Lego movie. Okay, we could all agree and get behind the Lego movie. And then also, <laughs> and then Wreck-It Ralph. All right, Wreck-It Ralph. I got a soft place in my heart for Wreck-It Ralph, which is the, the title of our sermon today is Bad Guy. Okay, because there's something about Wreck-It Ralph. He, um, he's this like hapless arcade bad guy, right? And all he really wants is for somebody to appreciate the bad guy stuff that he's doing. Um, And so in this movie itself, like, he's he's the guy who's out on the dumpster pile, and he's looking, and 
at the hero of the game who's like getting awards and fancy cakes and he just wants somebody to do that for him. So there's this ironic scene that I think of quite often <laughs> where Ralph goes to a bad guy support group. Okay, he's in a circle with all these other bad guys and uh, he's got a zombie next to him and I think Satan's on the other side of him and there he's sharing, right? <laughs> it's funny stuff, right? <laughs> Kids are watching and I'm like, this is brilliant. This is so great. And the zombie's like his heart falls out or something like that. I'm like, this is such good stuff. But as Ralph is sharing, like, I'm having this identity crisis. You know, I don't think anybody appreciates who I am. And so the zombie <laughs> leans over and says, labels don't make you happy. Good or bad, you must love you, right? Great wisdom from a zombie. And so they, they finish up and, of course, in true, like, end of uh, meeting style, they have an affirmation that they share together. And so their bad guy affirmation is this. I'm bad, and that's good. I will never be good, and that's not bad. There is no one I'd rather be than me. Um, and this idea of like the anti-hero, we see a lot in books and in TV and movies. But let's be honest, we really do love a bad guy. We do, and we love to make somebody the bad guy. Whether it's something that we're afraid of or feel anxious about. Um, we can do this with people who are closest to us. It might be like, I can often make the grumpy teen in my house the bad guy. Like, I had a bad day because that person w rolled out of bed with a bad attitude. Or I can make it about some big workload that I have. And we're probably seeing this even more frequently now that we just all went out and voted. And like, we can make the other political party or that group of people the bad guy. A psychologist and author, Tar Brock, she coined this term called bad othering. Instead of bad guy, it's like we bad other these things. And she goes, we want to move as good humans out of the trance of bad othering. And I thought that was a pretty creative thing for us to even talk about as a community, because I feel like that's where we're moving towards. We're looking at our lives and going, how do we not just become better, but how do we not just attack other people or put other people in a box? So this bad othering is like, a cr is like creating a bad guy narrative. How do we move through that? And for me, I feel like sometimes bad othering happens without my consent. Like, I, it, just, it just happens. I see something, I hear something, or experience something that just makes me feel bad. And pretty soon, I've made a quick judgment. I put that thing or that person that deal right over here and there in the bad guy box, and it's good, right? I've wrapped it up like, nope, I'm done with you. Check, you're going over here. That thing, never going to do it. It's bad. It's going over here. They are bad, and my ideas are good. Pretty easy. Like, I've cleaned that up in my brain. And I'm so sure that I'm right, because <laughs> about 60% of the time, I'm right all the time. Um, what could be the problem with this behavior? Yikes. What if, the bigger question is, what if the thing I've deemed bad isn't actually bad? Um, there's no better place for us to practice this work of eliminating, or even, how about even if you're not ready to eliminate the bad othering, because maybe it's working for you, just identifying that we do this thing of putting people and like creating this bad guy narrative, then the next few months of holiday events. Right? So you probably have already started to um, strategize your way around, like, the Thanksgiving dinner table or the Christmas event, right? You probably are already imagining, like, if I said, are you ready for the holidays? There might be some of those things that are dropping your mind, like, I'm not going over there. I know not to talk to that person. We create these strategies. 
around conversations or we have places where we just want to avoid because we don't want to get into conflict. Um, it might be bad uncle or bad grandma or bad boss, bad kid. Um, we can get ourselves into a real tangle by January. I don't know if this happens for you, but my birthday's in January, and my husband loves throwing big events, but usually by January, I'm like, just like <laughs> dragging myself along, because I'm like, I've had enough with all the interactions, and usually it's not so much the interactions, it's just probably the things I've stuffed down or avoided, like that bill comes due in January. Let me share uh, a story with you of how this kind of this bad othering thing um, how it came up for me and I realized I need to deal with it. Um, I'm gonna grab a stool here. It was a uh, Thanksgiving and we were invited to a family gathering um, and it was, uh, our kids were smaller at the time and they were wild and squirrely and it was one of those like really fancy houses, so like not a kid friendly house not that they weren't friendly to the kids, but you know what I'm talking about, like everything is nice. Like nothing is broken, nothing is duct taped or glued together, or like things aren't just, I don't know about you, if you guys do this, we like throw things in our bedroom, like <laughs> whatever we couldn't find, we were like, throw it in the bedroom. There was not a bedroom that things were thrown into. And so we bring our kids, we have this gorgeous meal, but you know how kids are like, they don't want to sit and just have conversations for like an hour, but adults do. So they did what kids did, and they're like, we're gonna go down to the basement. So we're like, good, have fun, go with God, have fun playing in the basement. Well, they decided to create a game of kickball in the basement at this not-so-friendly kid's house. Um, and we're upstairs, we have no idea what's going on, we kind of don't know what's going on because we're enjoying our uh, family time. Um, and so down in the basement, this kickball game emerges, you know, and they're doing all the things, and somebody kicks the ball and it knocks over a lamp and the lamp breaks in the basement. <laughs> so I wish I could have like had a camera to see what happened because I'm pretty sure the whole room stops right with all these kids and they all look at each other so this is me reimagining this story it all stops and like I think my son was probably the oldest cousin at the time and I can imagine him being like they all of a sudden form a collective they are in it now they've created an oath that nobody is going to say what happened to that lamp they had blood covenants they have all these things like listen up we are not talking about the lamp. We're going to put it back together. Everyone's going to stay silent. We're going to be really great and march back upstairs and no one's saying a thing. Because <laughs> they did. They all came upstairs. We wrapped up our conversations. Um, and we headed out the door and we just thought everything was fine, right? Everything's great. Until we get this string of messages. And not from the host of the gathering. It came around from all of, like, other family members, like great auntie Jean, who's like, you know what? I heard what your kids did in that basement. And then from this person over here was like, oh my gosh, your kids. Why did you just let your kids go down? You can imagine, right? I don't really need to go any further, but it, start, it got hot really quick. And so we're just like trying to manage all these texts and texts to this, we're like, what do we want to do? And why would they say that? How is this happening? And so we did the thing we felt like was probably the best thing to do. We paid for the lamp, right? We're like, we're so sorry. You know, we should have, right, we should have done this better. We asked our kids like, hey, you guys have to write an apology note. So they did that. We feel like maybe we did everything we were supposed to do. Mm -mm. 
it wasn't enough. So we get this subtle, and it wasn't like a direct, like this person came to us and said, you know what, I'm really offended by what you did, and it would be really helpful if you did X, Y, Z to make it better. It just kind of like was stinky, right? It was just like this bad thing that was kind of festering. And um, I had a real problem, I had a real problem with that. <laughs> so what I did is I just took that person and I moved them right over into the bad guy box. I'm like, they're too grumpy. Like, they're too intense. I don't have time for this. And I left that person in the bad guy box for years, like this family member, over that thing. Like, I saw them at events, and I, like, totally had the cold shoulder down. I'm like, I'm not talking to that person. I can go over there. I knew how to strategically, like, move around the room so that I didn't ever have to talk to this person. And because we're not really tight, we didn't really share a lot of, like, relational closeness, and it was okay. Like, I didn't directly have to respond to them. But when I heard this idea of bad othering, I had to do some reflective work. It was a podcast, and she's like, okay, I want you to think through a situation where you bad, bad othered somebody, and you should really go back and do something about it. This person came to mind, where I'm like, oh, man, I've put them over in that box, and they're just sitting over there, and I should probably deal with it. Um, so... I, I was ignoring something, I was avoiding something, and I knew I probably need to deal with it. So before I go any further with this, like, that's a funny story, and yes, these things happen, but I want to clarify that there's a difference between, um, like, a bad guy and things that are just, in general, bad. Because I don't want us to leave this place with everybody here thinking, like, oh, man, I have to go and make peace with, Nikki said, I got to go make peace with every single person that was ever bad. That's not what I'm saying. Um, there is actual things that are evil or like basic badness. In the church, we like to use the word evil. Um, and this is like somebody who doesn't, or a place that has no ethics, there's no capacity for love, it's destructive, it's violent, it's untrustworthy. In those places, I'm not saying go reevaluate what's going on there. I'm trusting that you know those places and you can stay away from them. What I'm talking about is, I think we have a hard time as humans evaluating when somebody's had a bad behavior and not just throwing them out. Like, they're just bad now. I know I do. I, I need some help, like, um, walking through some of that. So I have to ask myself, is this person just not trustworthy in deeper ways? And I had to do this with the host. I'm like, no, this person is actually a really good person. Like, yes, we, what we disagreed on is how kids should interact in a home and probably how we should handle conflict. Like, that's what we disagree on, but really, we agree on most things about life. And I really want this person to have a good life. So my bigger question then for humanity, if I'm thinking, I'm probably not the only person that has a situation like this, or I have maybe many situations like this, how do we grow and evolve as human beings who can maybe stay a little bit longer in a conversation or stay a little longer in a conflict to see the other person's point of view? Because if we're all connected and we share the same intrinsic need for love, validation, and connection, what can help us move through those conflicts so that we can have some true connection with each other? I'm going to say that one more time. If we're all connected and we share the same intrinsic need for love and validation and connection, what can help us move through conflicts and transitions so that we can stay connected? Or basically, why do we need a bad guy? Is the bad guy narrative something that's just a part of who we are or can we move away from it? And it can be questions like this that will keep me up, where Chris is thinking about football last night. 
I'm thinking like, how do we change humanity so we can be better people and have hope in the world? Okay, I'm gonna go to sleep, three, two, one, sleep. No. <laughs> um, I've been ruminating over this question for a while and I've read some books and I've just like get over, sometimes can get overwhelmed with the idea of like, how can we just have some peace? Um, and so I, I dig into some things, I start to research, I start to read, I'm like, I'm looking for answers. Like, what's the answer? There's gotta be an answer to this. Um, and what I noticed is that for all of our human history, we have clear regressions because we spend so much time in close contact with each other. And it's a part of just how we stay safe and connected is, is that we're in groups. So we're in groups, we're gonna have conflict. So my question was, what's the deal with humans? What's the deal with us? Why are we like this and is there any hope for change? Because I noticed that we're really designed to collaborate with each other and that collaboration really only happens well when we also trust each other. So we have to make some agreements about some things in order for us to move forward. And the shadow side to this is sometimes we can't agree. Sometimes there's just natural conflict. So in this book called Sapiens um, that I've been reading, he talks a little bit about what is it that, how did we develop as human beings? And language was a big piece um, that connects us. And he says this. Uh, but the most important information that needed to be conveyed between humans was not about lions or about bison. Our language evolved as a way of gossiping. And according to the gossip theory, homo sapiens are primarily a social animal. And cooperation is our key for survival and reproduction. It is not enough for humans to know the whereabouts of lions and bison. It is much more important for them to know who in their band hates them, who is sleeping with whom, who is honest, and who is a cheat. So this reliable information about who could be trusted means that these smaller bands of people could grow into larger groups and they could develop like tighter, more sophisticated communication. But if I can nerd out just a little bit more, this is just some numbers. So in a group of like 50 individuals, just between the one-on-ones of those 50 people, and I don't know how many we have in this room. Chris, how many did you count? 48, so we're pretty close. So if there were two more people in here, all of those connections, just one-on-one, -on -one, there's 1,225 individual communications happening. And then that's just the one-on-ones. And then if like this table decides to have a discussion about something and then two people move over there to have a discussion, now we have all of those interactions. And if you think about that's a lot of information that we have to store in our brains and process all the time. And so this idea of like being able to gossip things about people was for some way for us to share information. And in that, I think, is where we develop this idea of bad othering or making a bad guy. So gossip usually focuses on wrongdoing, and there are lots of theories that we can read about. But this is fascinating about humans, that um, all mammals have some way of like communicating if things are going wrong. Like they can say like, there's a lion over there or a bison, but as humans, the thing that we're able to do is like go to each other and say, not just like, oh, be careful because there's a lion over there. We could say, hold on. Do you know there's a group of people over there that don't even believe that lions exist? And we would believe that story. Because if we trust that group of people, we don't even have to believe that the thing is real or reality because it's story. So if telling stories is how we create bad guys, there's gotta be a, for a way for us to tell a different kind of story, for us to move forward. I don't think we're getting out of the bad guy narrative. I think it's gonna take us a long, long time. But in order to do that, we have to try something else in practice. 
So let's try different stories. So here's what I'd like you to do. Let's take a minute. When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing you think about yourself? Do you think, I am basically a good person? Or do you wake up and think, oh my gosh, I've got a lot of problems. I'm basically flawed. Let's take a second. Do you think that you're basically good or do you think that you're basically flawed when you wake up? I want you to hold on to that, and then we're going to talk. I'm going to step away from that. We're going to talk about how we relate with other people. Because sometimes when we have to reflect on ourselves, it's a little sweaty. I don't know if you got a little sweaty in the armpits when I asked you that. Um, it's okay. Just stay with that. But I want you to think about now, take that a step further. Think about just the people in your house that you engage with or the people in your work. When you walk in and have that first interaction with somebody in the morning, are you looking at them thinking, they're basically a good person. Or are you thinking they've got a lot of problems? They're basically flawed. Um, let's say, now let's take it to the holidays. Let's say you're about to enter into that room for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And you're all kind of playing around with the idea of your strategy of where you're going or what you're going to do. I just want to talk through a couple of things that you could try so that you can stay in a conversation with somebody a little bit longer or you can ask some questions that maybe you haven't asked so that we can develop this ability to maybe understand somebody that we haven't understood before. Maybe, if it's possible, move somebody out of the bad guy box for a bit. Or maybe they move you out of that box. Maybe you've been put in the bad guy box. So the first thing is asking yourself or telling yourself, this person I'm about to talk to is human, just like me. That's your baseline where you start. We're both humans. We're both breathing the same air. We're standing on the same ground. We can agree on that, that much. Um, now the next part is determining like how do you actually feel. When a person comes up to you, do you feel safe or do you feel afraid? I think this is a very, very important thing when you're about to have an interaction with another person. If you're feeling safe, that's excellent. You can proceed with having lots of conversations and discussions. But if you feel afraid, I want you to honor that feeling and check in with it. Because sometimes we feel afraid because we feel like social anxiety or we're worried about where the conversation is going to go and we need to check in with that. Sometimes we're afraid because we're not quite sure what's going to come at us. So some of the things that I... I listen to first if I have to have a conver if I'm going into that conversation. There are some things that make me shut down and I know I need to try to have this conversation another time. The first one is like an authoritarian voice. Like if somebody gets really loud, that activates a lot of fear in me. So if I know that this person's gonna come at me and they've got something that they gotta let me know, I know that we're probably not gonna get past that. So then I get to decide, do I wanna stay and have this conversation or I wanna just be like, hey, Judy, nice to see you, and like scoot off someplace else. Because we don't have to stay and have conversations with people when we feel afraid or unsafe. So I just want to start there. If you can't get through that feeling, you don't have to push through and have a conversation. Um, if I feel like I've got pretty high protective instincts, so if I think my somebody's going to come after my spouse or my kids, then I have to be careful too because I really don't want to create a whole lot of conflict. But if that feels unsafe, then I'm going to walk away from that conversation. But if, if I go through all my checklists and I feel like I can move forward with this conversation, um, then I move in and I start thinking about what are the shared things that I have with this person. 
I can be curious and stay in the conversation with them, and I can stay just a little bit longer, and I can ask them things like, um, how are you doing? Or tell me a little bit more about that. And then I also can know when the conversation is done, and I can thank them. Thanks for sharing your opinion with me. Um, and if I can stay a little bit longer, then I know that even if I might disagree with somebody else, that they're probably searching for truth, and they're looking for acceptance and love also. They have their own perspectives, they have their own lived experience, and can I believe that this person deserves love and validation and acceptance also? So I know that I can't control other people's behavior. That's not our job. It's not our job to control others. We get to respect the autonomy that we have. We can listen to um, our own bodies and the things that are going on and our responses. And what we can do is notice when we're bad othering. And we can develop some empathy. So it's important to know what's going on with your body. The next thing that we're going to do is we're just going to take a little bit of time and just check in with how we're feeling. And then in a few minutes, I'm going to read through a prayer for us. But um, Chris, would you find some music like in a minute or two that you could put on when I'm reading that prayer because it's going to be a little bit longer. Um, one of the things that's really helped me because I've had a lot of run-ins with people where I've, I've found that I usually just shut down. And what I'm trying to learn is how can I stay just a little bit longer? How can I respect the things that I'm feeling and also then have some time to listen to the person who has something that they want to share with me? Um, but I've learned I've had to like stop and just check in with my body. So if you want to do that right now, um, there are things that you'll probably notice that are happening when you feel like an intense situation coming. Like it's important just the first thing right out the gate is just stay with your breath. Like notice if your breath is starting to shorten, if it's like stuck up in your throat. Can you stop and can you take a deep breath and fill your breath with lungs? Because no matter what anybody says or does, your breath is always with you. Nobody can stop you from taking in that deep breath. And then maybe once you're starting to feel that breath regulate, you can sense, like, am I clenching my jaw? Are my fists clenched? Is my shoulders tight? Like, how can I have a more relaxed feeling? Not for the other person, but it's for you. How can I be feel safe and confident in my own body? So I'm going to close with a prayer here in a bit. Chris, you can go ahead and play that music. But if you want to, what I'd encourage you to do is just take a minute right now and engage with your breath. Just even noticing that it's there. You don't have to change the rhythm of your breathing. Just take a minute to notice that it's coming in and out. Is it coming in through your mouth or through your nose? And then if you can, go ahead and relax your jaw. Sometimes we keep our jaw really tight. So as you're breathing, just send some breath in through your jaw. And put, give air to your face. You can just relax your face and your shoulders. And as I read this, go ahead and, and, and stay with your breathing. If you're noticing an, any other places that there's tension, you have room to be able to move around um, and roll your shoulders back. And if any of these lines stick with you, um, just you can respond to them in your own way. So thank you for this day of forgiving myself and others. 
It is in you that I find the simplicity in breaking ties with what once held tightly. I hear the whisper of pardons for my mistakes, and now I can gift others and myself the same, because life is much too short for clutching. For the words that have been said with intent to harm me, let me leave them at the gate before I walk through this door. For the words that I have said that have injured, let me make amends as soon as possible. For the words I never said, but which I needed to, let me say them now for clarity and then to those who they are meant. For words that were never said to me, but which needed to be, let me say them to myself and bury my expectations of others and move forward. For the time when I have made critical error, let me correct my course. For the time when I had efforted to no avail, let me keep trying. And in response to guilt, let me acknowledge the poor choice and make it right. In response to fragmentation, help me retrieve my lost parts and integrate and reassemble me. And in response to violations of my boundaries, let me put more effective ones in place and blame no one for coming through the holes in my fence. Thank you for the ability to come from integrity as my spirit dictates and to be a house of sanctuary. So go ahead and you can take another deep breath. And amen. So church, blessings to you guys as you navigate um, your stories. You get to tell your story. You get to set your boundaries. Um, and you get to stay with people as long as you want to. And so I just encourage you, you can stay with them a little bit mo moment longer and show grace and mercy in your name. Amen. You guys have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for coming to Neighborhood Church.